Well, bow your heads with me while you're standing just for a moment and we will talk to this Lord. Thank you for your love, Lord Jesus, for us, one by one. Thank you that you know who we are. Thank you for this appointment we have with you this morning. I do pray, Lord, that you will take my lips and speak through them, that you will take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, please be seated. We conclude a series this morning about our being renewed. We started the new year back in January, that first Sunday in January, talking about being revived, being restored. And this, in a sense, is a continuation of that thought and that theme. And it's been setting the stage for us to enter into this season of Lent, which brings us on a very fast ride to Easter. So we're going to be speaking about being renewed this morning, renewed through sharing our faith with others. Here's a staggering truth for most of us who've grown up somewhere around a church somewhere. The church does not exist for itself. The church exists by the grace of God, his plan, his idea, his direction, exists for those who are not yet here in the church. Our mission is to see that they get to know the Lord and join the company of his family and participate, therefore, Sunday by Sunday in worshiping him. But we don't exist for ourselves. And by the wonder of how God works, when we share our faith with someone else, we are blessed. We are renewed in our own love for the Lord and our own faith and our own zeal to be about his business. We are the ones who get renewed. Somewhere along the way, they may as well. So the same is true as we've gone through this series about belonging to the church, making a commitment to be a member. Amazingly, yesterday morning in the midst of that terrible storm, we still had some 50 people make it here to go through the membership class, half day of teaching couple of weeks time you're going to get the opportunity to go around and through the the maturity class and if you haven't signed up for that yet you need to get that done this morning it's another half day of teaching in the way God works committing to membership committing to growth committing to find out what your ministry is and how to share your faith then is the means by which God, one of the means, one of the many means, by which he encourages us in our own faith, in our own vision for our lives, and how we're going to spend them and use them. So we're talking 
this morning about sharing the good news of Jesus. It is good news. We're not sharing, sharing bad news. There's plenty of bad news going around right now. Most of everything we get via the media, whatever that is, whether it's television, print, radio, movies, whatever, has such a thick slice of bad news that people get depressed and live in a sense of darkness and hopelessness. What Jesus has to offer through us, and the Bible actually teaches that God organized the church to be the means by which the good news of the gospel is made known throughout the world. It's our task, our mission. It was the mission of Jesus in coming into the world. He came to rescue people who were lost in darkness, in seeking their own selfish ends, what the Bible calls sin, destroying us in this life and in the life to come. That was the mission of Jesus. When he left this earth and went back home to glory, having died on the cross for our sins, having walked alive from the grave, demonstrating his powerful victory over sin and over death, and over the devil himself. He commissioned his immediate followers. And you'll find this commissioning on page 6 in your service sheet, or the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28, and the closing words. He says, Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the mission. So that's called the Great Commission. The commissioning of the first followers of Jesus, and thereby a subsequent commissioning of the whole family of believers to get the good news of Jesus out and about. We're going to be giving you, when you leave here, a, a little booklet like this. It says, Do You Know? This was prepared by Dr. D. James Kennedy, since gone home to be with the Lord himself. But it's a very simple, yet profound explanation of the heart of the gospel. And as you leave here this morning, the ushers will be at the doors to offer you one of these, or two, or three, or six. That you this week, under the inspiration of our preaching here this morning, if nothing else, but under the authority of God and the commissioning of God, will give this away to someone else. Now I'm going to call on Greer Tate, one of our choir members who was singing to us earlier, and wherever you are, Greer, if you'll make your way here. Where are you, Greer? There you come. Thank you. I mentioned this at the earlier service. Let me put this in your hand because you're going to need this. Okay. I mentioned at the earlier service that uh, 
in giving out something like this. You set a chain reaction that can bless not only us because we get to give it away, the good news, but watch what happens elsewhere. Well, we did a series, where are we in the year? It was last year. What on earth am I here for? And gave out a little booklet. What on earth am I here for? Tell us about that. Well, the challenge you gave us was to give it to someone that week. So I immediately thought of my next door neighbor that I've been trying to encourage to come to church. Um, One time in a conversation, she mentioned that she doesn't go to church, but that she would like to and that she would come with me sometimes. So I would invite her occasionally and And the response was she had something else to do that particular day. So it went on and on, maybe three or four times. So one day we were out in the the yard doing some work. And um, um, I thought, Lord, I've just got to give her this little booklet, you know. And so I gave it to her, and she took it in the house. And she kind of skeptically looked at the book, but she took it. So um, a couple of weeks ago, she called me and said, I want to come over and I want to talk to you about this booklet that you gave me. And so we sat down and for three hours, we went through that booklet and through scripture and Romans uh, 323, 623, Romans 9 and 10, Revelation, Genesis. We went all over the Bible and I could just see the scales just lift off her face that she, it was sinking and she was understanding and God was speaking to her. So we prayed, and she um, is a believer, I think, and she, um, her dad was over a couple of days later from that, and he said, I just want to thank you so much for giving my daughter that book. She's not a reader, but I, she's in this book all the time, and so unbeknownst to him, she texted me and said, my dad is reading this book. So anyway, it's, I'm excited about what may go on in that family. Thank you, Greer. Now, you see that? If sweet Greer can do that, she doesn't look like some screaming evangelist, does she? No. But she is a sharer of the good news of Jesus. That can be you with your neighbor, someone in your family, with whom you work, shop, hang out, whatever. So you take this, read it for yourself if you need it, pass it on. Let's pray just for a moment. Lord, thank you for Gria. Thank you for that sharing with a neighbor and the repercussions of that. Continue to bless that neighbor and her dad and who knows who else now down the road. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gria. Thank you. So there you go. That's you. Now let me talk about it in a different light for a moment. I've said it is good, good news. And good news it is. So when Jesus tells us to go make disciples, that's exactly what the commissioning is, to go and make disciples. Make more of who they were, those original disciples. And that process is sharing the faith, they're coming to faith, expressing it in baptism, and being taught all that the disciples had been taught. 
Let me ask you, think a moment. What was the last great commandment that they might have taught to those new believers? How to share their faith. The last commandment of Jesus was to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. So as they become believers and are taught what the disciples were commanded, for sure in that package would have been that last great commandment to go share their faith. Now that challenges many of us. The man who first talked to me, for those of you who don't know it, I wasn't raised to go to church. We did not have a Bible in our home and we never prayed in our home. At least not that it was part of anything that I as a child experienced with my mom and dad. My dad committed suicide when I was seven. So that brought a huge change to our family. But still no God in the picture. And it wasn't until I hit adolescence as a young teenager ran into a chap who shared with me the gospel. I ridiculed him, made fun of him, as did the other people around who knew what he was talking about. And I knew that if I ever took seriously what he was saying, and I went out there and shared the same message, I was going to get ridiculed. The ridicule I'd been heaping on him, I would experience coming my way. One of the reasons I held off getting serious about the Lord for a couple of years. But once I did, once I asked Christ into my life, I couldn't be contained with my family, with my friends, with other students that I knew. I shared the good news of the gospel and sure enough, got the ridicule that I thought would come my way. But at that point... I could have cared less having Christ in my life. In fact, to tell you the truth, when I became a minister, at least set my sights on going to college and being ordained, my brother said to my mother, I thought John had more ambition than that. That's what he thought of being a preacher. My own family didn't welcome or embrace me because I got excited about the Lord. In fact, my mother became one of my first opponents. But I've never, ever stopped, never had the desire to stop sharing with others the good news that transformed my life. My wife and I sit time and again and marvel at what God has done in our lives, the lives he's given us to live together, and what an amazing adventure it has been, and it's not over yet. Our life is still a stunning, very exciting adventure. I hope you believe that. This is not an exaggeration. We never cease to be amazed at what life is to us, and the excitement of it is sharing our faith and watching other people get to know Jesus. That is right at the heart of it all. We're not playing church here. 
We're on mission. And each one of us who says we know and love Jesus is commissioned by Jesus, not by me, to get that message out. There is a statement in the New Testament, it's Peter himself who said it, writing in one of his epistles. Listen to these words. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you and give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to share with others the reason for the hope that you have. Let me give you an instance. It's quite extraordinary to be ready. Having this booklet in your hand, and I always have literature with me uh, whenever traveling, to give away should I run into someone. Part of the preparation is having something on hand. If you want a dozen or 20 of these, we can get them for you. Some similar booklet. Always have something handy that you can pass along. If you're on mission, where you go to work, school, exercise, shop, whatever, be prepared. You can actually put the answer in someone's hand. Be prepared by having the observation, an attitude, that wherever you're going, the Lord may bring someone across your path who needs to be meeting you that day. I spoke about you having an appointment with the Lord here. You may be just that person who's arrived in church, and this is going to be a whole new day for you. Just because you turned up here, you encounter God and discover his love, and the whole world begins to unfold before you as a different world than you thought it was. To have that attitude and that mindset, to take it with you, means that you are always on the lookout for the door to open just wide enough for you to get through with a little bit of love and the hope that God gives. I was coming out of Russia a few years ago. I'd been there preaching. It was actually 1993. There was trouble in Moscow. Some of you may remember the scene in our newspapers of Yeltsin standing on a tank. Gorbachev was in hiding. There was a resurgence of communism. They fired a few rockets into something like whatever is the equivalent of our White House. We were in Russia at the time, deep South Russia. Our train tickets were canceled so that we couldn't travel out of the country back into Ukraine. Isn't it interesting, conflict between those nations now? Where we had other meetings set up in stadiums and large events for me to be the preacher. We had a crew of about 20 Americans in our entourage. And how were we going to get back into Ukraine and fulfill all these appointments? We rented a bus. It was a wreck of a bus. Don't even think American school bus. This was more like a gypsy caravan. It leaked. It was raining all night as we drove out of Russia toward Ukraine. When we got to the border, we had a general on, our, on board our bus, part of our team, Marine General. 
He said, there's trouble in Russia. And normally when a country's in trouble, they seal their borders. That rings a bell somewhere. Seal their borders, we may not get out. So a Russian had driven with us in a little Russian car. He went ahead of us to the border once we got there. We'd been driving for hours. I was sleeping in the back of the bus. We're driving through the night. When they go to the border and say that they've got this group of Americans who've brought international aid, which we had brought into the the country, and that they had this very famous American speaker, me, on the bus, and would they let us through? They said, you've got a famous speaker, we'd like to hear him. The guys came back to the bus and said, they want to hear you speak. So I stirred myself together, got my Bible, and we all went to the border. The, the boss man, the senior officer, had all the guards lined up in uniform, about a dozen of them, looking very serious and glum, to hear me speak. I spoke through an interpreter, so if I spoke for 10 minutes, there's another 10 minutes of explanation. That's a 20-minute talk. So I said, what I'm telling you right now is I had to be fairly swift. I said to these chaps who are standing there, I want to give you the most famous verse in this Bible. Any one of you could have preached this sermon, by the way, because you know probably John 3.16 by heart. So I quoted John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is all being interpreted as I speak in segments. So then I said, you have been told there is no God. And you know it's a lie. And when this Bible said that God loves you, he must love you one at a time, Because you can't just love the whole world impersonally. He must love us one at a time for it to be love. And then I went right down the line. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. To each of these guards. And then I said, let me tell you how much he loves you. He so loved you that he sent his son Jesus into the world. And then I asked them the question, I said, do you know where the date 1993 comes from? They hadn't a clue. These are young men being raised in atheism. They call it the common era over there. Same date, call it the common era. We call it, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So I said, do you know where that date comes from? No idea. I said, that is the date from when Jesus came into the world. 1,993 years ago, he came. And in coming, when he grew up, he began to teach and drew great crowds, heal the sick miraculously, feed the hungry miraculously, give dignity to prostitutes, heal the sick, give sight to the blind. He became so popular 
that they determined the authorities did to get rid of him. You could virtually see them nod. They knew how that worked in Russia. Then I said to them, the way they got rid of him was kill him by nailing him to a crossbeam of wood in his hands, in his feet, and hoisting it up, dropping it in a hole in the ground, wedging it there, and leaving him there to die. I didn't even use the word crucifixion. I just described what it was so that they could see it. I said, in the miracle of God's love, he was dying there for you to pay the penalty for your sin. And God so loved you that much. And I went right down the line. That's how much he loved you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. Right down the line. And then it goes on to say that whoever believes in him, and we're skating over huge, huge tracks of theology here. He gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish. I said that means to go to hell and suffer for your sins. Rather than that, to go to heaven and have eternal life. And I thought, how do you teach faith? And God gave me in that moment. I mean, really, I'm, I'm encouraging you to risk and see God give you words. I asked them, do you know where the last, I've got that wrong, the first day of the week gets its name in Russia? They call the first day of the week, that's Sunday for us, that's Resurrection Day. They call it Baskrasenia. And that word means resurrection day. Can you believe it? They've been calling the first day of the week. They didn't change the name of the day. Resurrection day. I said, do you know where that name comes from? Of course, they hadn't a clue about that either. Three days after they killed Jesus, he came back to life again. And if that's the case, He's alive here at the border. And when it says to believe in him, it doesn't mean simply to have this information in your head, but to ask him to come into your life, to receive him into your life. And I was ready, now I've preached the, the verse. God so loved the world that whoever b believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I was prompted by the Lord to say, let me speak to him on your behalf. I said, now close your eyes to shut out any distraction. This is how we do it. I'll speak to him and you can make my words your words to him. And I prayed. All this being interpreted into Russia. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me my sins. Fill me with yourself. Give me the hope of heaven and glory. I prayed something very close to that. They said we could go through. But we told them we had Bibles in Russian on board the bus and they all wanted one. So now we're all walking back to the bus to get on the bus and one of the guards falls in stride beside me and speaking to me 
through my interpreter, this is what he said. And in the way the Russians, the syntax of a sentence, the way they put a sentence together, this is what I heard. Said this man, this is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. He set out on a whole new life that night. You can set out on a whole new life this morning if you're that one person. This is the moment for which all your life has been waiting. And as you go from here and take your little booklet and pray over your friends and neighbors, you become the means by which they experience that moment in life looking at people you never have any idea what's going on behind the scenes. But God has a plan in your being there for them and sharing good news with them. And you are under authority of Jesus himself who commissions you to go and get it done. In his last prayer, Jesus even prayed this. This is in the last supper the night he was betrayed and the night before he was executed, part of his prayer was this, Father, as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. His disciples, they heard that prayer ahead of their commissioning. Father, as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And I'll tell you this, as he sent them into the world, He sends us into the world. Let's be about that mission. Bow your heads with me, will you please? And let's talk to the Lord. Just anticipating that you may be that one person here who has never ever surrendered your life to Jesus. And you'd love to know that heaven really is your home when you die. And that Christ died on the cross to pay for all your sins so that you don't have to go to heaven, but through him. And that you don't have to go to hell and pay for them yourselves. He is the way. Jesus himself. And he comes right to where you are. He is alive here this morning. Look at him. If you are that one person who has never ever yielded to him. Gotten close to him. Opened up your heart to him. You make my words your words in your own heart. Say to him, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. Please, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Thank you for dying for them. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new life. Give me the gift of eternal life. Please, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I surrender to you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love you to come by me in the the commons outside and just say, I prayed that prayer. You just tell me that. I'd like to meet you.